All right. All right, so what, um, what did you, uh, what did y'all kick around at your tables? All right, down in front. Kitty. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, that tension, that, yeah, as soon as we, you know, unhumble ourselves in that way, right, uh, bad things happen, okay? Somebody else, over here? Yep. Okay. For sure. All right, back here. Yeah, 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 right. So the, the idea of, yes, okay, so that so, feels so far beyond me. Do I even want to try? Yet he calls us to try. <laughs> and so for some of this, we've got, uh, there's got to be a level of understanding that allows us, right, to hold that intention because we are not supposed to feel better than, right? Uh, and we've got to say, hey, it's not attainable, right? But the tension of, you know, where do I start um, with that? The verse that we have up here, Hebrews 3.14, take care, brothers, lest there be any of an evil, unbelieving heart leading one to fall away. But exhort one another every day as long as called today that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. The call here, right, is for each one of us uh, kind of collectively or anyone that would call themselves a follower of Christ that sees another person that would call themselves a follower of Christ to say, Hey, buddy. Hey, sis. Hey, gal. I'm not sure what the things that you can call each other now are. Uh, but to call out, right, the things that we're so prone to do that lead us away from the holiness that God is calling us into. Right? As we spend any time uh, in uh, God's truth, as we spend any time listening to teaching, as we spend any time listening to worship music, as we spend any time loving others well, Right, there's, uh, all of those things are leading us into right, God's holiness, the things living the way that he wants us to live. And yet, right, the rest of the time when we're not actively right, pursuing God's kingdom and his truth and the things uh, that he calls us to right, are leading us away from those things. Right? And so without kind of the mutual accountability of one another to say, hey, did you know that you're going into the thing that you said that you don't want to go into? Without that, we're kind of stuck in that, well, you're on your own to kind of uh, figure out what, what this life looks like. But here, the, the interest, right, is on the other person that we've got to look out for one another. Uh, I was reading, um, I was reading through some articles. I'll do this every once in a while, just kind of catching up on uh, what's out there. Uh, I came across, uh, I'm not a um, huge John, uh, John Piper guy, uh, but he, I came across a transcript of a, um, of a uh, commencement uh, from the seminary that they have up in Minneapolis that's connected to uh, Bethlehem Baptist. And, um, and the commencement was about, you know, what does it look like to be faithful to the Lord for 70 years, to not kind of lose your witness or testimony? And he said this, it's in kind of a couple parts, and I think it bears a repeating, because I think for us, we, 
our lives are surrounded, right, with non-holiness. <laughs> and so until we have uh, witness after witness after witness to a life that can be lived differently and that's put in front of us consistently, I don't think that we'll, we'll get this picture. And so I think this is helpful to us. And so, uh, and so this is Piper speaking. What is the danger? What could lead to the hardening of heart and the falling away from the living God? Answer the deceitfulness of sin. Sin, the heart's preference for this world over God. Right? Look into that. That is what you live in, right? The heart's preference for the world over God, right? That is like what we battle from day to day. So we're talking about uh, some uh, individual people. I'll read down. The shipwreck of uh, Demas is owing to his love of the present age. The shipwreck of Hymenus and Alexander is owing to rejecting a good conscience. The shipwreck of those who escape the defilements of the world is that they become entangled with them again and again. And so he's referring to several people in the uh, epistles of Paul that he refers to as having shipwrecked their faith, basically having not, uh, having kind of run out of chances, having, uh, having done irreparable harm to their relationship with Christ. Right, and says, look at what he owes it to, riches and pleasure of life, love of the present age, owing to rejecting a good conscience, meaning like as my conscience is telling me, as the Holy Spirit is telling me, no, no, don't do that, we reject that, right? That, they, that people that we have not escaped the defilements of the world, right? What we, what we used to struggle with, we've come out of, and then we got right back into it, right? That we haven't escaped that only to become entangled with it again. The warnings against shipwreck, right, in, in chapter 3 is a warning against the deceitfulness of sin. He goes on to say, I don't think you will find any exceptions to this in the Bible. The root cause of apostasy or falling away or making shipwreck of faith or deconversion is not the failure to detect truth, but the failure to desire holiness. Not the absence of light, but the love of the dark. Not the problem of science, but the preference for sin. And so this is where God's holiness comes to matter in our daily lives, that we love him, that he's holy, because uh, that allowed uh, him to send his son and for his son to remain uh, sinless and for his son to die a perfect death, that we could be reconciled to Christ. But yet when it comes to after justification, <laughs> after it comes to that initial relationship with Christ, do we right, have a strong desire to move away from sin and right towards holiness. Our deepest desire is to have both, is it not? I want to have all the good and yet have what I want as well. Amen? And yet, uh, I, I could go around and give testimony after testimony. Say, Stand up and testify as to whether or not you think that's attainable. Over and over, your testimony, as would mine being, I tried that and it doesn't work. Because God's truth says it doesn't work, and I, from experience, say it doesn't work. Amen? You're like, yeah, amen. So let's turn to Romans uh, 1.6. I'm having all kinds of issues this morning. Pray for me. Chapter 6, uh, 
verse 1 of Romans says this, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? This is a question that we generally have to ask daily. Sometimes we don't ask the question, though. We just kind of live as if I don't need to ask that question. Or I asked that question one time when I felt really bad about my sin, and I've never asked it since. But I think, I think we need to answer that question this morning. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? What would you say in your own lives? Would you like the people that hurt you on a regular basis to keep doing that so that you may continue to forgive them while they continue to sin against you? Anybody? Anybody? We don't think about it like that, do we? God is infinitely forgiving. Ah, it's not that big a deal. Who am I really hurting? J.C. Ryle, in a book called Holiness, says, Of all the sights in the church of Christ, I know none more painful to my own eyes than a Christian contented with and satisfied with little grace, little repentance, little faith, little knowledge, little charity, and little holiness. Isn't that what it feels like? I got a little of all of that stuff, but not much. Or the people around me have a little bit of that stuff, but not much. It says, I do beseech and entreat every believing soul that reads this tract not to be that kind of person. If you have any desires after usefulness, if you have any wishes to promote your your Lord's glory, if you have any longings after such inward peace, be not content with little religion. He meaning little faith. Let us rather seek every year we live to make more spiritual progress than we have done, to grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus, to grow in humility and self-acquaintance, to grow in spirituality and heavenly mindedness, to grow in conformity to the image of our Lord. Verse 2, Romans 6, May it never be. How shall we who died to sin still live in it? Verse 3, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. As we baptize on most Sundays, we see a life transformed. The testimony of the baptismal waters right, is that, Hey guys, I'm Rob, I'm getting baptized today, and this is a funeral service for my old life. I want you to recognize that, that I am new, that God has changed me, that he has given me a new heart and put his spirit within me. I want to live differently. If you will will join me in seeing me, right, being put to death and being raised to new life, I'd really appreciate it. That this is what Paul is talking about here. As we have been if we had entered into, right, who Christ is, that this is what we've entered into, his death and his life. Right, the death is to sin and the life is to him. Maybe that's something that you've never heard for the first time. But Jesus didn't come to get you into heaven. He came to put your sin away. He came to put my sin away because my sin is a problem for you. 
as I hang on to my sin, I hang on to the possibility of hurting you. Right? Of crushing your spirit, of discouraging you, of making you question who God is. Because as we, uh, just like uh, my, my children coming to you and mistreating you, <laughs> right, would bring, uh, would bring me and my wife a bad name, right? So we do that to the Lord when we misunderstand the need for holiness. If God had no witness of, uh, through the word and we were his only witness, what would people think of God? See, we don't personalize that, do we? We don't take that upon ourselves. We don't own that. I want to enjoy the benefits, right, of relationship with God personally. I don't want anyone else to. Verse 5, Romans 6. For if you become united with him in the likeness of a death, certainly we will also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with. He has come to put sin away. Is that what you want? Do you see your sin right, as something that you don't want anymore? See, oftentimes we feel bad about our sin, but it is not something that we want to get rid of. Because these are the things that I've chosen, I've curated, right? These are my pet things that I've kept, right? Just as you look around my house and the knickknacks of things that I can't throw away, these things I've chosen to be mine. And so often our experiences, that is what our sin feels like, right? I'm not doing those things, we all agree, right? But these things, these things are fine. Rereading verse 6, knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him in order that a body of sin might be done away with, so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. For he who has died is freed from sin. So I want you to, uh, to chat uh, one more time, and then we'll, uh, then we'll close with a few, a few comments. I want you to talk about around your tables um, the deceitfulness of sin. Uh, you, like myself, know sin very well. <laughs> right? You know, uh, you know its trappings. And so I want you to talk candidly, uh, because we don't often do this, about why sin is bad. Like why the things that you do that you know you shouldn't do, that the things that the Lord has called uh, not good, that you do, I want you, to, I want you to talk about like your understanding of that. Right? Kick around. Like, why is sin bad? Not in general, but the things, like the individual things that I do, why are those things bad? All right, take a minute to do that. All right. So what are, what are, some, um, what are some helpful comments uh, that you made to one another around the tables? Let's uh, over here.
Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's a great analogy. Uh, analogy that speaks exactly what you're talking about is analogy of we often think uh, see sin as like a, a lion cub, right? Very tameable, cute. Hey, I can mess with this. I can keep it under control. And yet, as that lion grows, right, it becomes more and more out of control, and we to something we never never had control over. That's really helpful. Somebody else. Back table. So it comes into mind uh, the first and second greatest commandment, right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right? As we're not loving our neighbor, right? We're not loving God. Right? The sin that comes from, yeah, Clayton. Yeah. Right, and in, and in the moment, we don't feel like that is the risk we're running, right? Until we're too far gone. I often told the story of my... Um, uh, my old dog would t- I'd take her out to Owens Field and off leash. She was a hound dog and she'd sniff and run. She'd be about 600 yards away. It's a big, if you ever met out to Owens Field, it's pretty big. And it wasn't until she picked her head up, right, and kind of swiveled around looking for me, right, that she noticed how far away she was. And she'd and just run as fast as she could back to me. And it's a long way, 600 yards away. I mean, she'd be about, she'd be about winded before she got back to me. And every time she did that, I would think about my own uh, relationship with sin, that, that that's me. I get my head down, and I don't understand the pervasiveness of what the small decision could lead to, right? And you'll find yourself 600 yards away uh, from the person you never meant to leave. Um, to close, uh, so often when I need wisdom here, uh, I will uh, turn to some older authors uh, that will yell at me, <laughs> and so uh, J.C. Ryle is a great yeller if, you need, if, you, if that uh, is impactful to you. Uh, it's an, old, uh, an older author, another guy named William Law. If you're going to make like a Christian name, I think that's like the name if you're going to give yourself one. Who are you? I'm William Law. So anyway, thank you for the bad jokes. Uh, and so I'm just going to end by just reading a couple of... Um, more quotes that I think uh, will be helpful, impactful to you. Feel free to take pictures. Uh, To become a monk or a nun or to join a house of mercy is not the high road to sanctification. True holiness does not make a Christian evade difficulties, but face and overcome them. Christ would have his people show that his grace is not a mere hothouse plant which can only thrive under shelter, but a strong, hardy thing that can flourish in every relation of life. 
It is our doing of our duty in that state to which God has called us, like salt in the midst of corruption and light in the midst of darkness, which is a primary element of sanctification. Guys, we've got to get out of our minds that what he has called us to do in putting away our sin is some easy thing. The easy thing was getting into it. <laughs> the hard thing is getting out of it. And there's no, there's no witness in the Bible that says otherwise. And so we've got, to, we've got to understand that that is the only way out. He is there to help. He has freed us from that bondage, but we've got to walk out with his assistance. A, a deep sense of struggle, a vast amount of mental discomfort from it, are no proof that a man is not sanctified. A true Christian is one who has not only peace of conscience, but war within. Right, the, the biggest encouragement I get in spending time with you guys is when you're talking to me about how you're fighting your sin. I get so encouraged because the world is not winning in your life all the time. Do you have people where it looks like the world is just slapping them around? Yeah, does, it, does that feel like you sometimes? <laughs> this idea is that there is a fight, right? It's proof that there's life in there. You understand that? But that's proof that, uh, that I have the Holy Spirit, right? That I'm fighting. That we may be known by our warfare as well as by his peace. If you'll stop here and ask yourselves why you're not as pious as the primitive Christians were, your own heart will tell you that it is neither through ignorance nor inability, but purely because you never thoroughly intended it. When I was about 25, I first read those words, and um, I was deeply convicted because that was so true in my life, that I wanted so many things, yet I never intended to do anything differently. And guys, wanting <laughs> is not intention. Hoping that something will change and doing something to change it are two different things. Mr. Law shares, we must alter our lives in order to alter our hearts. For it is impossible to live one way and pray another. Please, please, no more. Two more. A lack of this complete submission of the will of God and a failure to realize that our salvation can only be worked out by the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, forming the very life of Christ within the redeemed heart, has placed the Christian church today in the same apostasy that characterized the Jewish nation. That we think, right, that we can get closer to God without obeying him. This is not something that we can do. And over and over again, our lives are testified that I am trying to figure out how to do that. <laughs> how to become more holy without being obedient. Let me know if you figure it out. True Christianity is nothing but the continual dependence upon God through Christ for all of life, light, and virtue. And the false religion of Satan is to seek that goodness from any other source. We talked last week about the assurance of relationship, right, of understanding, 
right, that God wants us. That knowing him, right, is life. And if we have the son, we have life. And if we don't have the son, we don't have life. As we talk about this stuff today, that we need to talk about this stuff more, but the, the, the secondary reason is for you to wrestle. Because as you wrestle, right, and you confront these hard truths and this bad teaching that we live by, right, I can help my buddy who's just as confused as I am. That we've got to understand for ourselves, right, where we are with these teachings. That we've got to understand that where am I as it, as it relates to wanting to be holy as he is holy. Because my, because my father has said that is what I should do. I don't get to figure out if I want to obey or not. As it relates to our relationship with Christ, so many times we don't think that we have to make a decision. One of my favorite, uh, favorite um, scenes from Alice in Wonderland, you're sure with the Cheshire Cat, and Alice walks up to him and she says, hey, uh, do you know which way to go? And he's like, do you know where you're going? She's like, I have no idea. He's like, well, then what does it matter? Law has been a good mentor of mine. This comes from a book called A Serious Call to a Devout and Holy Life. And the chapters are even longer than that, the chapter titles. He wants to be very specific. (laughs) And so I want to challenge you today that that very idea conjures up so many emotions in us. Uh, And yet I really want to encourage you that the holiness that God calls us to is good. He's not calling you to be the worst person, the most boring person ever. He's called you to be the good person that he created you to be. To image him. And so our challenge today is, do we want to be like our father? And if we have chosen him, that we need to understand that that is what he's asked us to do. And that's what, he's, uh, that's what we've chosen, if indeed we've chosen that. And so let me pray with us, or pray for us to close. Lord, as we uh, speak into the idea of holiness, Lord, over and over again as I um, read uh, the writings of men who struggled mightily in a time uh, that is not much like um, our own, we think I'm, I'm, I'm alone in this pursuit. Father, if I, if I take you at your word and choose to pursue holiness and goodness and the image of you, like, what, what will that look like? Father, would you give us uh, a better picture of life in you? Would you uh, give us time to reflect on people in our lives that are pursuing this, that we would judge the outcome of their lives versus the outcome of ours? And that we would long to enter into the hard work of putting away our sin for the sake of what you've called us to. Lord, I struggle 
with hard work as everyone else, Father, but I understand its benefit. And so, Father, would you give us a, a put in front of our minds a higher calling and a hope that there are others that want to do that too, and they are here to help. And so, Father, would we heed that call to want to be holy as you are holy, and that there isn't an alternative to that. As so, a Father, uh, through all the technical difficulties and the rambling and the bad jokes, uh, Father, would you uh, use my C-grade effort, uh, Lord, to help us understand that you are so good and so loving and that we want to do that and be that as well. But there is no other way except being obedient to you to achieve what you're asking us to achieve. And so we would, would ask that you would yell that into our hearts this morning. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Uh.